I'd like to emphasize that Russia does not have genuine elections. Boris Nadezhdin, according to opinion polls, he was expected to get around 8%. He said that he wants to end the war if he's elected. Mm-hmm. But he also said that Russia might surrender some of the occupied territories, but not necessarily all of them. What will another term of Putin in the president's office mean for Ukraine and the world? At this stage, it's quite clear that Putin is not inclined to make any concessions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Ukraine, a show where the newsroom of the Kyiv Independent dives into Ukraine's biggest news of the week and explains them in just under 30 minutes. I'm your host, Masha Lavrova. Today, we're talking about the upcoming presidential elections in Russia, the unexpected candidate who was running on a seemingly anti-war platform, and the consequences it all might have for Ukraine. I'm joined by the Kyiv Independent reporter, Alek Sukhov. Alek, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. Before we go on, I would like to remind you guys to subscribe to the Kyiv Independent wherever you're listening to this show. Like us, rate us, and leave your comments. It will take you only a few seconds, but it goes a really long way for us. Your support is important to us. Thanks to you, we can ensure more people can stay informed about the news in Ukraine. So, Oleg, Russia is holding the presidential elections in March 15th-17th. Nobody's expecting anything groundbreaking from them, since Russia is pretty much a dictatorship. Putin's probably yet again going to portray himself as a winner. But there was something unexpected happening with this election circuit. There was a seemingly genuine anti-war candidate until he was banned from the running for the president. So can you tell us more about him? So I'd like to emphasize that Russia does not have genuine elections. There are several levels of control of the so-called elections. First, the Kremlin has absolute control over the media. And uh, as a result, you know, Putin is the most popular politician, but this popularity is, in, is fake in a way because it's based on TV propaganda. And then uh, it also controls who, who is running and it can ban any candidate from running in the elections. So it's it completely controlled election process. And then even if, in that, even if that goes wrong, then the Kremlin can just rig the election results. So what, what was happening recently? So basically, there was one anti-war candidate. He was actually the, the only candidate who campaigned against the war, Boris Nadezhdin. He became sort of popular. According to opinion polls, he was expected to get around 8% of all respondents. So, and his campaign was unexpected in the sense that it inspired some enthusiasm. There were huge lines uh, of people who were willing to give their signatures uh, for his campaign. And a lot of volunteers joined his campaign. That was quite unexpected because, you know, Russia has been a dictatorship for a while. And especially when the full-scale invasion of Ukraine began, then the whole opposition was basically eliminated. So that was a very surprising development. So do we know anything else about Nadezhdin? I mean, was he an actual chance for a change if for somehow he would have been able to win? Nadezhdin is, is a liberal. He describes himself as a liberal and he worked uh, as an aide to Boris Nemtsov, a liberal politician who was killed in 2015, likely because of his um, um, criticism of Putin. Nadezhdin also represented the Union of Right Forces Party, which was like the main 
Liberal Party in uh, Russia in, in the early 2000s. On the other hand, Nadezhdin has never been a member of the, let's say, radical opposition. He's always been very moderate and he's always had some links to the Kremlin, to, you know, Kremlin projects. So he represented several parties that were obviously created by uh, the Kremlin. And he even ran in United Russia's primaries. So United Russia is uh, Russia's ruling party, basically Putin's party. So basically, that was the reason why at the initial stage of the election cycle, the Kremlin allowed him to begin collecting signatures because the Kremlin thought that uh, he was like a safe candidate and he was not going to present any threat. So, but when the Kremlin saw that Nadezhdin was actually conducting a real campaign, that he was explicitly saying that he was against the war and he was criticizing Putin more harshly than all the other candidates. Actually, the other candidates did not criticize Putin as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. So then the Kremlin decided that... uh, It was Yeah, Nadezhdin did not fit its plans and uh, he was banned from running. I mean, uh, I think I got to add that Nadezhdin's position on Ukraine, let's say, is might be criticized as not consistent enough. But in, I guess in Russia, it was <laughs> the, like as part of this official election campaign, it was the most radical uh, uh, position in terms of its basically in terms of criticism of the war. Uh, but uh, many Ukrainians would not like some aspects of it because basically he said that he's he wants to end the war if he's elected mm-hmm. but he also said that you know russia might surrender some of the occupied territories but not necessarily all of them and it's going to be decided during negotiations he also said that basically residents of the occupied territories might participate in some kind of referendum as far as i understand you know a new referendum um, uh, like basically not not the fake ones that were organized but by the, the Kremlin, real but, but the real one yeah. this time. Uh, and uh, so basically, uh, his his position includes some compromises, and uh, it's not, you know, from Ukraine's standpoint, is not consistent enough. But if he actually won, if he you know if he were allowed to run, and if you if you won, that would, would would definitely be beneficial for Ukraine because that that would be. Uh, the best scenario out of the possible scenarios. Yeah, I wanted to ask about, you know, these lines of people who are wanting to vote for Nadezhdin. In a country where you can go to prison just for having a sign with like two or three letters that would hint to saying like no to war, you know, how is there even a candidate who could be anti-war in a country that you cannot say that? Yeah, Russia is a dictatorship, but it's not as totalitarian as North Korea. Some, some activities are not banned or let's say that not all people who protest in some way jailed immediately. So basically this specific activity, you know, when people gave their signatures for Nadezhdin is not banned by Russian law and it was basically pretty pretty safe for them, let's say. I mean, Russia, Russia's repression mechanism is not like, you know, like in the Stalin era when all people who were against Stalin were jailed. In the current system, uh, there are like repressions against specific people, but not against like broad categories of people. So like uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are against Putin, but only like the, 
let's say, hundreds of them are jailed. So we saw this very short-lived hope for an anti-war candidate just to be in the running. But we did learn just this morning that he was banned from running for president. Can you tell us more about that, please? Yeah, the Central Election Commission is one of Putin's tools for eliminating uh, inconvenient candidates. The Russian law sets some requirements on the number of signatures that candidates must collect. And they're pretty high, but even, well, let's say if, if Russia were a democratic country, that would not be such a big problem. But the biggest problem is that experts of the Central Election Commission arbitrarily ban any inconvenient candidates and claim that, you know, a huge part of their signatures are invalid. In Nadezhin's case, it was clear that he had, you know, pretty broad popular support and that he's like, basically his campaign to get signatures was the most visible in Russia. And he, uh, he did collect around 200,000 signatures. So it was quite obvious that he passed this test in the sense that it was clear that he has genuine support. So I think under Russian law, Nadezhin must have been registered, but obviously that was the exact reason why the Kremlin did not register him, because it does not want like some kind of competitor for Putin. And Nadezhin was likely to be the runner-upper in the elections, and the Kremlin did not want you know, the public to think that there is some alternative. Because there are several other candidates who, who are not campaigning in any, in any meaningful way. They, they are completely like approved by, by the Kremlin. And th this fits the Kremlin's plan. But a candidate who was conducting a genuine campaign did not fit the Kremlin's plan. So he's out of the running. Is there anyone else that we should mention who could somehow be in opposition to Putin? Or are they all kind of created, you know, just visual opposition for just the sake of there is someone else other than Putin you can vote for? So there are several candidates from, uh, you know, Kremlin-controlled parties. So the LDPR, it's, it's a nationalist party, and then the Communist Party and the, the New People. And all of these candidates, they are basically fake candidates. So they, uh, they are not conducting any genuine campaign. Uh, they are not criticizing Putin. They are not against the war. Their role is, is basically to provide some kind of you know, ritual, some kind of facade for this, for this fake election. Um, and you know, the opposition uh, was thinking of what to do about, about this situation you know, after Nadezhdin is banned from running. And so Navalny has called for voting for uh, any other candidate other than, you know, other than Putin. There is also another proposal basically to to spoil your ballot yeah, because uh, invalid ballots, they're also counted uh, in, in a total number of uh, votes. So uh, basically, uh, this is what the opposition is proposing. I don't think it's, it's going to be very effective, but I guess they, um, they've got to try and see if uh, they will be able to decrease Putin's percentage. But it's very unlikely that it will have huge impact. I, I have read that Nadezhdin was saying that in, you know, what just happened right now, because there was speculation that he's going to be banned, he was saying that he's going to try and appeal this decision. Is there any chance for him to return to running? Uh, no, there is no chance because it's, uh, you know, all the courts in Russia are controlled by the Kremlin. So uh, the only, basically the only scenario in which he would be allowed to run would be if he 
it became basically a stooge for Putin and uh, which would uh, be meaningless. Yeah, then it would would make any sense. So yeah. So this election pretty much doesn't look like it's going to change anything for Russian war in Ukraine or for Ukraine or for Russia for that matter. No, it's not going to change anything just because it's not a real election. So <laughs> but basically the only impact that it might have is basically Putin's decision on mobilization, the mobilization of conscripts for the war against Ukraine, because basically it's clear that he was postponing this decision, you know, on a second wave of mobilization until the election. And there are different opinions on whether he's going to announce announce a second wave after the election, because, you know, there is the opinion that uh, he needs more conscripts if he wants to continue the war. There is also another opinion according, according to which, uh, you know, there are enough contract soldiers and basically it's not necessary. But it's clear that he's, he's been trying to postpone it just because he's afraid that mobilization might decrease his popularity. So what will another term of Putin in the president's office mean for Ukraine and the world, in your opinion? At this stage, it's quite clear that Putin is not inclined to make any concessions, you know, that he's not ready to start any meaningful peace talks. So he's just going to continue the war and he's going to wait probably for the American election. And if, if Trump wins, he's, he might try to, you know, persuade the West and, you know, the, the US and the West in general to pre pressure Ukraine to make some kind of deal. Thanks, Oleg, for this conversation. It was exactly as I kind of expected. It, it, it was, I wasn't really hopeful about Russian election regardless, but let's move to the community question. So if you'd like to send in your question, you should become a member of our community. To do that, go to kievindependent.com slash membership and join our community. So the question our member would like to know is how elections will be conducted in those parts of Ukraine that are occupied or annexed by Russia. As far as I understand, they will be conducted in the same way as Russia, because Russia has already has experience of holding elections in occupied territories in Crimea, for example. I don't know, like, if they will be held, like, just near the front line. Uh, but, you know, in the rest of the occupied territories, I guess there will be no problems. But anyway, the process of holding elections and counting the votes uh, does not matter because it's, it's totally rigged. Nobody's so, counting them. Yeah. Well, they, they are counted, but, I mean, the process uh, is rigged very heavily, especially in occupied territories because there, you know, it's like basically a military zone. Nobody can control anything. So there will be no election observers. And even in the rest of Russia, it's, it's very hard to monitor and control the elections. But in the war zone, this is basically impossible. Well, thanks, Oleg, for being on this episode. Thank you. You can find the show on YouTube and all audio platforms every Friday. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like, comment, and leave your reviews wherever you're listening to the show. Also, follow the Kiev Independent so you never miss a new episode. Consider supporting us by becoming a member and donating. You can do that at kievindependent.com membership. Also, you can support us by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you for listening. <laughs>